0: Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is October 18th. Today is the first day of this week's Come Follow Me block, which is 3 Nephi chapters 27 all the way through 4 Nephi. So let's jump right into 3 Nephi chapter 27. In this chapter, the Lord had finished teaching all the things which Heavenly Father had commanded him to teach. He had taught them about the covenants of ancient Israel. He had talked to them about the promise that Heavenly Father had made to restore the gospel on the earth and to gather his children inside of it. And then he quoted Isaiah and he quoted Malachi. Now here in chapter 27, the Savior has left. The disciples had been teaching and preaching, but they had some confusion among them. So let's take a look at verse one. It says, and it came to pass that as the disciples of Jesus were journeying and were preaching the things which they had both heard and seen and were baptizing in the name of Jesus, It came to pass that the disciples were gathered together and were united in mighty prayer and fasting. And Jesus showed himself unto them, for they were praying unto the Father in his name. And Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said unto them, What will ye that I shall give unto you? Now, there's something that I really love here in these verses. It's a principle that we see taught several times throughout the scriptures. The Savior taught this principle in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, and we see it again in the Doctrine and Covenants. In section 6, verse 32, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, as I said unto my disciples, where two or three are gathered together in my name, as touching one thing, behold, there will I be in the midst of them, even so am I in the midst of you. Now here at the beginning of 3rd Nephi chapter 7, You had the disciples, you had a group of believers gathered together, and they were doing just as the scripture said, it was touching on one thing. They had a question that they wanted to ask. They were praying mightily and they were fasting and they were unified in their purpose. And because of that, the promise of the Lord is fulfilled here. And he comes into the midst of them and asks what they want him to give them. Now, I think it's easy to hear stories like this in the scriptures and think, well, yeah, it happened back then. Yeah, it was great for the disciples of old. But there's a story that Bruce R. McConkie tells about the revelation that was received so that the priesthood could be extended to all men. And it's very similar to this promise where two or three are gathered together in my name, touching on one thing. There will I be in the midst of them. Now, this quote from Elder McConkie is a little bit long, and if he had said it in a talk, I would have just played it because it's a little long, but it comes from the book Sermons and Writings of Bruce R. McConkie. He says, I was present when the Lord revealed to President Spencer W. Kimball that the time had come in the eternal providences to offer the fullness of the gospel and the blessings of the Holy Priesthood to all men. I was present with my brethren of the Twelve and the counselors in the First Presidency when all of us heard the same voice and received the same message from on high. It was on a glorious June day in 1978. All of us were together in an upper room in the Salt Lake Temple. We were engaged in fervent prayer, pleading with the Lord to manifest His mind and will concerning those who were entitled to receive His holy priesthood. It was one of those rare and seldom experienced times when the disciples of the Lord are perfectly unified, when every heart beats as one, and when the same spirit burns in every bosom. We, too, had come together in the spirit of true worship, and with unity of desire. We were all fasting, and there was a marvelous outpouring of unity, oneness, and agreement in counsel. It was during that prayer that the revelation came. The Spirit of the Lord rested mightily upon us all. We felt something akin to what happened the day of Pentecost and at the dedication of the Kirkland Temple. From the midst of eternity, the voice of God conveyed by the power of the Spirit spoke to the prophet. The message was that the time had now come. I love this story and I love what it teaches us about the unity of the 12 disciples and what comes because of that unity, that love, and that fervent prayer. Elder Uchtdorf has often talked about what a miracle it is that all 15 of the brethren can agree on something. They all come from different backgrounds, different political persuasions, different upbringings, but they don't move forward with something until there's a unity among them. And he said that it's a miracle that they ever reach that unity, but that that unity is always reached before they move forward with something. My friends, truly, I believe that we can experience this same miracle in our lives, in our families, in our wards, in our callings, but that it doesn't come easily. It comes as a result of unity. And that unity comes as a result from the love of God being in our hearts. And it comes as a result of mighty prayer. Not casual prayer, not vain repetitions, but mighty, true prayer. That we can receive manifestations of the Lord via the Spirit, just the same way that President McConkie talked about here. So when the Savior asked the disciples what they wanted, why they were praying together in unity, they said that they wanted to understand what the name of the church should be. He said, Have they not read the scriptures which say, Ye must take upon you the name of Christ, which is my name? For by this name ye shall be called at the last day. And whoso taketh upon him my name, and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved at the last day. Therefore, whatsoever ye shall do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore, ye shall call the church in my name, and ye shall call upon the Father in my name, that he will bless the church for my sake. And howbeit my church, save it be called in my name. For if a church be called in Moses' name, then it be Moses' church." Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church. If it so be that they are built upon my gospel. Now, my friends, I find it so interesting that thousands of years ago, that was the message that the Savior had to deliver to the disciples. And yet two or three years ago, it was the exact same message that our prophet had to deliver to us. We had gotten so casual about the name of the church, and he had to call us to repentance to remind us whose church it was. President Nelson said, To remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. When we discard the Savior's name, we are subtly disregarding all that Jesus did for us, even his atonement. When we omit his name from the church, we are inadvertently removing him as the central focus of our lives. If we, as a people, and as individuals, are to have access to the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, to cleanse and heal us, to strengthen and magnify us, and ultimately to exalt us, we must clearly acknowledge him as the source of that power. We can begin by calling the church by the name he decreed. Now I know so many people who looked at this talk and this call to repentance as a rebranding of the church. It's not a rebranding. Here we see in 3 Nephi that this is the way the Lord had always declared that his church should be called. Because of nicknames given to us in the early days of the church, we embraced a different name. But truly, my friends, the name of the Lord's church has always been the church of Jesus Christ. It is his church, called after his name. And if we make the changes, if we do the things which our prophet has asked us to do and placed his name back in the church, we have been promised incredible blessings. President Nelson said, My dear brothers and sisters, I promise you that if we will do our best to restore the correct name of the Lord's church, he whose church this is will pour down his power and blessings upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints, the likes of which we have never seen we will have the knowledge and the power of God to help us take the blessings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, and to prepare the world for the second coming of the Lord. Such incredible blessings promised to us for such a simple act. And in April, 2020, President Nelson let us know that we had not done what he had asked enough to receive those blessings and that we needed to continue to place our focus on calling the church by its true and proper name. But my friends, I believe the promises of the Lord. I believe that as we place the focus of the church back on the Savior by always referring to His church as the church of Jesus Christ, then we can receive those promised blessings. Blessings so great that they have never been seen before. I look forward to that, and I'm going to try to do better at this charge given to us by the prophet and by the savior of old. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.